Chapter 3. Banquet Number 1. Quote, Banquets are usually held in restaurants in private rooms that have been reserved for the purpose. All members of your delegation should arrive together and on time. You will be met at the door and escorted to the banquet room where the hosts are likely to have assembled. Traditionally, as in all situations, the head of your delegation should enter the room first. Do not be surprised if your hosts greet you with a loud round of applause. The proper response is, of course, to applaud back. Seating arrangements, which are based on rank, are stricter than in the West. This is another reason why you should give your host a list of, list of delegation members and their rank. Guests, guests should never assume that they may sit where they please and should wait for hosts to guide them to their places. Traditionally, the Chinese regard the right side as the superior and the left side as the inferior. Therefore, on formal occasions, including meetings and banquets, the host invariably arranges for the main guests to sit on his right. End quote. There's some shuffling and some smiles as they work out what would be the best place for me around the large round banquet table. It's covered in a disposable plastic tablecloth and disposable plastic cups have been put on everyone's place and filled with hot brown looking tea. Steam billows from the tops of the cups. The windows in the rooms have fogged over. I'm a little late but I found out later being the guest of honour, that's okay. Mrs Xu is making suggestions and I'm tired and hungry and a little nervous about being plunged in on my first night to a cultural experience like this. My luggage is still zipped up in my bags in my flat. My life in luggage. I plaster on a fake happy to be here, smile to mask the tiredness and the mild shock that I feel like I'm slipping into. I've read that a lot of cigarettes are smoked in China and I get them shoved at me straight away by the head of the English department, the dean of the college and the driver who is sitting across from me. I have to decline and I mind the fact that if I take a drag on one, I'll choke like an old man. Mrs. Xu laughs and translates, I've read that many foreigners do not smoke. Is that true? Food comes in waves. First, despite the fact that it's so cold outside, cold dishes are brought out. Then soup in huge white bowls, fish, tomato and egg and mutton soup. And then later we get various hot dishes. The room is cloudy with smoke. An English and Chinese blend in the room and my nose is full of the smell of all this great stuff. I make the mistake on filling up on the first dish that comes out and I regret it because I can't attack some of the other creations that come out later. A white sorghum spirit called Baiju is brought out by one of the waitresses. The men at the table all smile, and she starts to move around the table, filling small white porcelain cups to the brim with the stuff. As she fills mine, the sharp, acid smell of it fills my nostrils and seems to overpower most of the smell of the food. I breathe, I'm breathing in great lungfuls of smoky spirit, but at least the room is getting warmer. I peel off my jacket. Toasting begins. Through a cloud of smoke, the dean of the college calls my name and holds up the small bowl with both hands, a huge smile blossoming out across his face. He yells, Gumbay! Cheers, and his eyes lock with mine as he pours the bowl slowly down his throat. He empties the bowl, sighs with satisfaction, and tips the bowl at me so I can see he has finished it. 
Almost instantly, his face starts to flush red, and the translator elbows me and says, You must do the same, and laughter bounces off the walls. The spirit is like fire. I choke, and can only show them half a bowl. But I'm a foreigner, and it's in my first night, and they clap, and Mrs. Xu gives me a thumbs up and says, You are very strong. That's very good. Their smiles beam up at me for what seems like an eternity of talk, laughter, food and smoke. A full stomach starts to put me to sleep. My eyes are heavy and I want to crawl into bed and let this all sink in, process it all. Tiredness and the mild shock I started to feel when I arrived started to get the better of me and the rest of the meal is a delicious smoky blur. The waitresses won't make eye contact with me. I look at one and she blushes and moves out of the room and laughs like she's seen a strange zoo animal. We move out after dinner across the campus, slowly heading towards my flat. I'm stared at by the students. I see more Nike logos in this short walk than I'd seen in a day in Australia. I again notice the trees, the lack of leaves, the horizon of dead-looking skeletons of wood against cold grey. Colour has been sucked out of the horizon. Chapter 4. Committee Quote, The 1970s saw the start of a boom for the teaching of English language in China. This boom has not subsided. It has left China short of teachers in the tertiary and secondary systems. This shortage has grown as some teaching staff have plunged into the sea, which means to begin work in the private sector in business or trade. Today, 90% of all college students must take at least some level of English language course as a compulsory subject. End quote. On the final day of my three-day orientation, an office worker, who's a part-time assistant to Dave, the boss's office manager, had the following conversation with me. Me. What are the rules I really need to be careful of living in this city? Her. Oh, there are so many. Me. But which ones do I really need to watch out for? Her. Be careful of them all. Observe them all. Me. But are there any really vital ones? Her. We will tell you when you need to know. Don't worry. I walked past three old people doing Tai Chi as I walked towards class. I saw slow motion calm amongst students scurrying with books, bicycles and thermos flasks. I arrived at the English department building. There was a bamboo scaffolding wrapped around it, and I couldn't see what it really looked like. Migrant workers were hanging off it, helmets casually hanging off, their, off the backs of their heads, soft black kung fu shoes on. They work slow. Tai Chi construction. I had a meeting with Mrs. Shu and the head of the English department on the morning of my first class. They presented me with a small basket of fruit and tea, and they thanked me for coming. Big smiles, stiff bodies. The head of the English department said, Welcome to our family at the college. We are all making an effort to work together to do our best for our students and our colleagues. We are so happy you can join the family. Family? We are family? I smile and wish I bought a gift to give them. They were, they were embarrassingly welcoming. They talked about some daily things and then I was led to the classroom. Chalk dust settled onto the dark surface of the lectern as I lay in my folder down. I stepped onto the raised platform 
and looked out at around 40 faces. They were shuffling paper. A few smiled at me, making sidelong comments to their friends beside them. Mrs. Xu introduced me and said a few routine things and then she left me there with all those eyes on me. So many eyes. I unbuttoned my jacket as I began to talk about myself and half the class gasped and giggled as I removed it. I smiled at them, not sure that what was so funny or unusual about the removal of a jacket. I looked at the roll and thought I'd, I'd get everyone to stand up and tell me their name and something about themselves. My eyes ran down the sheet and I had to suppress a little laugh when I saw some of the English names. Sony, Rocky, Jesus, Hamburger, Delia, Queen, WC, Flower and Zero. I asked them all why they chose such English names and the best answer came from Zero. She said, Zero is everything and nothing all at the same time. Jesus wasn't named after the obvious historical figure, but a football player from South America. Well, I'd already done a quick, quick introduction of myself. Would you like to start just by asking some questions, anything at all? Silence. There was a little whispering going on as I scanned the room. Some sort of building was going on next door, and the hum of a generator and the scraping of a heavy machine punctured the silence. One girl, after a painfully long silence, raised her hand when I smiled and nodded to her, and she then she stood up. Let me introduce myself. My name is Lucy. I am the class monitor of this class, so if you have questions, then it will be my pleasure to help you. I smiled back and thanked her, and as she sat down, I asked her what her job description was. She simply repeated what she'd said before and said that she would talk to me after class. Questions started to trickle. What do you think of China? Do you like Chinese food? Can you use chopsticks? Can you say anything in Chinese? Why did you come to China? I couldn't answer most of these very well. And when I said xie xie, which means thank you, they broke into peals of laughter. I felt a bit weird being laughed at for stumbling over what is to me a hard foreign language, but the laughter didn't sound malicious. I even got a thumbs up from one of the guys at the back. I ran through some English tongue twisters and asked them what they were interested in learning, and the whole hour was tortuously slow. Interaction was hard. They are used to being empty vessels to be filled, and I was aware of that before I touched down, but to be in this, to be standing in it, was not comfortable. I squirmed a little inside, trying to work out how to work through this gap, this huge valley of culture that separated us. Then I stopped trying to ask questions and interact, and I just talked. I talked about Australia, about my employment history, my family. They soaked it up. All eyes were on me then until the end, when I opened it up to some more questions. From behind a thick fall of long black hair, one girl smiled a kind of half smile and put her phone down. It was glowing from the texting she must have been doing before she thrust her hand up. She cleared her throat and her friend looked down at her book, keeping clear of my eyes. Do you think all Western men are playboys? I looked down at my shoes and felt eyes burrowing into me. I didn't know quite how to answer such a direct question, but I began with, well, I'm new, so I don't know what you mean by playboy, but I guess every culture has its playboys, as you say. She seemed satisfied with that, and as I turned to see if there were any more hands up, she leant over and started whispering to her friend in Chinese. 
As students filed away to the next class, Lucy pushed her way to the front with a piece of paper. She held it out for me. This is my handphone number. If you have any problems, call me. I will assist you. I took it and slipped it into my folder and she added, Could I have your house number and an email address, please? If there's any problem with the students, I can contact you. I hesitated again, not sure what the norm was for teacher-student contact. Actually, I realised I didn't know the norm for almost anything. I was groping in the dark. Lucy was smiling, calm, in plain sight of some girls, waiting for it to go with them to the next class, so I figured it must all be okay. I scribbled down my number and asked, Can you help me get some information to the students if I'm sick or if I need them to know something? And she nodded. Yes, and I can help you collect homework, and I'll make a note of the absences, and I'll organise social events and chair a committee for celebrations and parties. I shuffled on my feet at that and clarified with, A committee for parties? She smiled and nodded. I walked home with flowers stuffed under one arm. It was hard to walk without them catching on my coat. In the other hand, I juggled the tea and my notes. I had to walk slow. I felt like the flowers. They were already looking withered and tired. I passed the same old people I'd seen in the morning, but they were now sitting on stools, eating seeds and spitting the husks on the ground in front of them. It was their turn to watch me moving in slow motion.